Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off, it should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. Financial literacy and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. How are you? I'm great. In studio again. I love this, and you do not come alone. I do not come alone, but I do love to be in the studio here. It's, there's something about being live, you know, in house mm-hmm. that is different. But no, again, we've got a wonderful guest today. I'm very excited to have her here. And her name is Sonida Batista, and she's from Clarity Wealth Management, which is, has just had a name change recently. But I'd like to introduce her. And we're here today to talk. Where there are three women in this studio, and we all have different experiences as women. Uh, for instance, I don't have children, and, and you both do. Uh, but we all work in what has been thought of as a man's field. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to talk about that. And also we're going to talk directly to women about their own investments and how to how to look uh, at that differently. And Sonida might have some words of wisdom for us there. Okay. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I'm, I was honored to ask to be, to be here with you. Thank you. So I'm really happy to tell my story. Okay. Yes. So do you mind talking about the name change first, just so that we have, so that people who knew you under a different name will find you now under Clarity Wealth Management? Yes. We were previously uh, Steadfast Wealth Management. Mm-hmm. We had an issue with the word um, Steadfast, so we had to change, make a change um, to our new name, Clarity Wealth Management. But we had originally chose Steadfast because it's a very good word. It kind of describes what our strategy is at mm-hmm. the investment firm. We like to build um, investment portfolios that are steadfast, you know, that are really a base. Um, but Clarity is also similar to that. So we made the switch over to Clarity, which is still really a great name and uh, with still the same philosophy. But now we're adding, uh, you know, be, having a clear view of what you really have in an investment portfolio. So that's really important for us at Clarity. Yes. Uh, I actually like the name better because, as you know, one of my favorite things to do is to name companies and come up with descriptives like that. And what I like about Clarity is that it puts more emphasis on the person than on the portfolio. That's So true, that yes. they will clearly understand what they've got, which is a big beef of mine. I always tell people, if you don't understand what you have, you shouldn't have it. Either speak to an advisor who can explain it to you in a way that it makes sense to you, or you're in a danger zone. So I love the, the idea of Clarity in the name. That's great. So yeah. congratulations on the name change. Thank you. So in full disclosure, you and I have worked together some on the side. And one day we were having lunch and an interesting topic came up. And I immediately scooped you up and said, would you be willing to talk about this on the air? And it has to do with the recent birth of your two children. Yes, I have a nine-month-old uh, boy at home. He His name is Charles. And I have a four-year-old. Uh, her name's Adeline. And she goes to a little school. And... We were talking about how having children has affected me at work and my work Mm -hmm. um, currently at work. And I was telling you a little bit of my hardships in my in my field and the little bit of the lack of understanding of what goes into motherhood. And one of the studies that I or not a study, but an article that I read talked about the economic effect of breastfeeding 
in the workplace. And I was offended by the article because I said, <laughs> oh, how can you put a price on this? This is just a little baby and a mama who wants to feed this baby, feed right? this baby and raise the best child uh, for society. Well, I don't know for society, but for definitely for myself. And so I started talking about my own personal um, journey through through my work experience and how I have had to make switches in my life, uh, you, like you said, in, in a man's world, to kind of accommodate my my work and my children. And one of the um, biggest changes I made was actually starting Clarity Wealth Management. I started the firm with a partner who had children as well, and we wanted to focus the organization, one, in what we believed was the right thing for investment portfolios, but two, also being family friendly. Mm-hmm. That was really important to both of us because sometimes, you know, if you are in the office in any line of work you are in, you always have to stop and take care of your kids, no matter what day it is. And when bis- companies don't understand that, it really puts a drain on employees. Mm-hmm. So when we decided to move on to start this company, we you know we we took all of our knowledge on how we wanted to do investments and also create something that was family friendly mm-hmm. and give value to the people who. Um, are raising kids. Now, what's interesting to me about that is it's a man and a woman, right? Your partner is a man. He had the same view as you had. Let's make this family friendly. Okay. Just building a little background here. You you started this company to be family friendly. You both had the same plan about how this might grow into the future. Right. We did. Yes. And then what happened? Then my partner, he, his wife had a baby. Oh, it was actually the beginning, the first, I think it was the first week of our business. We were opening our office and he had, uh, his wife had a baby. Um, so we, the first week we were closed. So our opening day was May 1st. He, um, you know, he had to go take care of his wife and I was in the background, you know, trying to bring the assets in from Mm -hmm. our previous clients. And, and he, you know, he only took off a few weeks, um, you know, back and forth to help his wife out. And, he was pretty, he was back, you know, less than a month. Uh, he was back at work mm-hmm. um, doing, you know, the same thing we were doing his, before. His normal picking job. Picking it back up. Yeah. Yep, doing his normal job, taking the phone calls, meeting with people. He was just back at it. Sure. It was really, um, you know, takes up a little bit of his time. But yeah, he picked yeah. it back up and we moved on. I it, will say too that it seems like for most men anyway, a month is extensive. Exactly. Normally, I'm, I'm just remembering, I think it was like a week at the time for, for dads that, you know, maybe took a week off. And I know a lot of dads that went back to work the next day. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, that that's only a more recent thing where men are getting maternity leave of some sort. Right, yes. Um, Actually, he did get maternity leave um, from the state. uh, So he did have that opportunity. Yeah, that's definitely changing. Yes. uh, So, I mean, he was in and out of the office for maybe like a week, but, Mm -hmm. you know, or like maybe for a month. But yeah, after that, he came back and got to it. Just like normal, yeah. Got to it. Nothing... You know, like nothing had happened, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on the backside, once uh, a few months after, I had a son. So this is about a year after. Mm-hmm. I had a baby. And three months before I had Charles, I stopped functioning, com- not completely, but functioning normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I lack of sleep. You can't sleep when you're towards the end of your pregnancy. You can't mm-hmm. sleep. Sure. And... I started to slow down. I had to cancel a lot of meetings because I couldn't continue. I couldn't sit in a room and smile. I thought, oh, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) This baby's taking up a lot of room. I can't breathe. 
Mm-hmm. And towards the end, you can't breathe. Going and, up the stairs yeah. is a challenge. Yeah, and you're sitting in back pain and everything. Your back pain, oh, yeah, because washing dishes, forget it. You're like, no, let the, throw them in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> and the health, the-, the health of the baby and all of that and is, health, is yeah. you know, tied to your body. Right. You can't just go home and say, I'm, I'm done for now. You know, put the baby over there. It's still within you and right. absolutely part of your being. Right. right. And so, and then you're going to the doctor almost every week because mm-hmm. of my age. I was over 40. Sure. Once you get to, to an older age, you know, there's more risks. So I had, you know, at weekly doctor meetings and then I had my son. And once you have a baby, you're out, you know, lack of sleep, uh, nursing them. They feed often um, yeah. throughout the night, yeah. throughout the day. So for the first three months, you really are not yourself. You know, I'm still yeah. taking phone calls. I'm still going into the office mm-hmm. part-time. Right. But I can't pick up and just continue like a man can do that. You know, it's mm-hmm. just impossible. There's just no way you can do that. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think at around six months, my partner came to me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm working. <laughs> and he said, oh, you're not working like you used to. And I said, no, I can't. Right. I'm still nursing a baby and I'm still trying to get him to go through the process of, of, of you know, taking care of this child. And he wasn't as understanding as I thought he would be, It was, which was uh, enlightening to me. I said, oh. Considering he went through it with his wife. Yes. Right? yes. I said, oh, oh goodness, you don't realize that I'm, I'm barely sleeping and I'm, you know, and I'm still here and I'm still taking phone calls and I'm still having meetings. And he pointed out that I was not being as productive. And it really was a a moment of it's different for men and women. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just not the same. Um, And do you consider yourself to be the senior partner? Like, was it, did you start the business and bring him in or was it the other way around? I, when I start, when I uh, thought about this, yes, I was going to be, um, I was going to start the business on my own. Mm -hmm. I decided to bring him on because I really wanted a partner Mm -hmm. uh, to join me. I didn't want to do it alone. I think it's good to have more than one person to do things. Mm -hmm. It's nicer. It's just a much better way of to me, to do business or, you know, to have some somebody who c- you can run things. Yes, to not be on your own all the to time. To not be right? on your exactly. own, especially yep. in v- investments. You know, yep. sometimes you see the world one way and somebody else can be like, no, that's actually not how it works. Yes. Yep. So it's really good to have another person's feedback. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I did ask my partner to, to join me. So it wasn't, though, it wasn't that he was running an agency, he employed you, and you weren't stepping up to the plate. It no. was it was really a partner, a colleague saying, you know, you're not getting it done here. <laughs> what, right. What's going on with you? You're not getting this done. It, it's interesting to me. Do you know if his wife worked or works? No, she doesn't work. Ah, so home, he may have a very different viewpoint then yeah. of how that's supposed to happen. Very that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't think about that, but yes. Yeah, I was just thinking while you were telling that story that um, you know, gee, this guy should have been on the beam if his wife just had to do this and go back to work. She must have been telling him every day how hard it was. But if she is not working outside of the home, then he does have a different viewpoint. And as you've just pointed out, <laughs> two people can have a very different sense of reality. Yes. So interesting. I do also think that unless you're like walking in those shoes, somebody can tell you how busy they were and how tired they are. Yes. You don't realize it. Like I do notice like a lot of moms love the kids all day. It's like you didn't really do a lot, but you had them all day. Yeah. Dads don't understand until they have them for more than an hour. And then it's like, for pretty, sure. what could you possibly do with them for 12 hours a day? Well, it's emotionally exhausting. Let me ask you, Jess, because, you know, you're on the 
you're the news director, you're on the morning show, you do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. What time do you get up in the morning? Oh, I get up at 4, like 3.30, 4 o'clock. And you're here in the studio at what time? At 4.30. At 4.30. And you have how many children? Two. I've got um, Madden and Natalie who are four and five. Oh, yeah. And um, (laughs) I mean, I've worked all across the country, but one of the main reasons why I wanted to come back here too is that Many a day, you, you lucked out today, but you'll see Madden in the back corner over there or Atlee under the desk. Oh, really? Because I'll, br- I'll bring them in to do stuff. Yeah. Usually not when I'm on the air because you never know what they could yell out in the background. Sure. But um, yeah, having a place that you can go and be able to bring your kids is a real luxury. Do any of the men that work here ever bring their children? Um, I would say no and maybe dogs, but not children. Huh. And I do think even now, I know times are changing, but I do think even now, even as the kids get older, it really falls, if they're sick, if there's a parent-teacher day at school, mm-hmm. if there's a day off, an in-service day, whatever it might be, it does most of the time fall on the mom to figure out what you're going to do with the kid for that day. Yeah. Dads, you know, might yeah. help work that out, but it, most of the time they're not staying home from work. Yeah. No, it's, you're right. Some families are flip-flopped. I mean, to be fair, there are mm-hmm. there are many people that are listening to this right now who might say, hey, lady, you know what? I'm the mom. You know, I'm the dad here doing and, everything. And I agree there are exceptions, um, but I do still are. think it's the majority is, is women yeah. at least worrying about it constantly in your head. Well, I was going to say that we are different. I, I, I don't see myself, and, and I'll ask this of Sonida as well, I don't see myself particularly as a feminist. I feel more like an egalitarian, but it might be because I don't have children. Right. But the general consensus is that women see things differently than men see things. We worry more than men do. Warriors versus warriors. Right. Mm -hmm. W-O-R-R versus W-A-R-R. And I just think that's it's a fact of life. We are we are wired differently. What we do about it is, um, you know, is uh, up to us about how we change society going forward. So um we're at a break time, but I want to, when you come, when we come back with Sonida, I want to talk to her more about her involvement in some of the women's organizations and how women's opinions and experiences might differ regarding their own investments. Okay. More to come. Financial fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to GetTheTea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's GetTheTea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, GetTheTea.com, code TEA123. Order today. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, who's not only in studio, but has a guest today. Sonida Batista from Clarity Wealth Management. And I'm just really happy to have her here. One of the things that I like about Sonida is that she really uh, is very generous with her own experiences and with her her opinions. And so rather than being very guarded, as a lot of people are, especially when they're in investments, she just tells it like it is and says, look, this is what's happened to me and this is how I see the world. And I I think that's always valuable. Anytime we get an opinion that is sort of raw and honest. Reminds me of someone else I know. Mm. Oh, dear. Mm. (laughs) The money doctor herself. She tells it like it is. I I think I'm just opinionated. (laughs) I, I don't know. So, you know, before the break, I was saying that I don't see myself necessarily as a feminist, but I do see myself as an egalitarian. But I wonder, because you've been involved and are involved in some women's organizations, do you view yourself as a feminist? That's a good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think for myself, I 
I don't think that I don't think so. Yeah. I think that I started. I, so I'm currently the president of the Amherst Women's Club. Yes. And which is a, how we met, actually. Which is how we met. Amherst yes. Women's and Club. Before yep. that, I was I was the president of the Beacon Hill Women's Forum. Yes. And one of the things that I learned about this is I want I want to uplift women. Mm-hmm. That's really what what I believe in. But I would say that I love my husband and I love my dad and I love my son. So as much as I want to support women, I also want to support men. Yes. Because I think it's yeah. really important that as we support each other, we are also advocating to support our ch- our our boys and our husbands and our fathers yes. to be better people in the world because mm-hmm. that's the only way that if they learn what we need it's much easier for them to um to deal with us right to understand <laughs> and um, i would say vice versa as yes, well yes exactly vice yes, versa but right. I, I really i like really uplifting women which is why i have the you know i have i'm part of these organizations and i'm a big believer in friendships mhm and I think that I'm also a big believer in talking about things. I think that the <laughs> only way <laughs> that we can um, fix problems is by saying what's what is the problem mm-hmm. and not creating, not making something be a taboo. And so, am I a feminist? I don't really know the answer to that. I don't really love those labels anyway because I think yes. that you know what people perceive as a feminist may be somebody with a, a picket sign, you know, constantly arguing or whatever. But I think uh, you've said it very well. You want to support women and uplift women probably because, and I'm going to put words in your mouth here for a moment, but probably because you think there's a need for that and that they don't necessarily have the same shot as a man has in every area of life. Now, in, in some areas, we we benefit, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. But the thought about being able to talk about things and being open about it is very effective if it isn't overdone, if you aren't perceived as somebody who will talk it to death, at which point people just turn off and won't listen to you any longer, then you can really, if you're efficient and use brevity and you, you're on point, you can really turn people around who will listen. Mm-hmm. There are, will always be people who just will not listen. They will just shut it off and say, this is what I believe and that's it. So tell me a little bit about that, a little bit about Amherst Women's Club, if you don't mind, and then let's talk about investments and women. Okay. So the club is about 130 years old. Actually, the house, yeah, about, yes, the club's 130 years old. It's been around, um, you know, for a long time. And the it, there's two parts to it. There's the Amherst Women's Club, which is a, which brings women together to make new friends of different interests. So if you have, you know, whatever your interest is, just come over and make a new friend. And then there's the Amherst Women's Clubhouse, which is the Hills Memorial's house, Hills Memorial Clubhouse. And that was actually given to the Amherst Women's Club to do um, civic duties. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things that we focus on is raising money for scholarships and giving grants to community, um, community organizations that are helping the community. Sure. So, so that brings us back to money. Yes. Um, So I, I say this about myself too, is that uh, I may have done some different things earlier in my life, but they always seem to be uh, centralized around money in some way, around making things better for people uh, financially. And so talk to me a little bit about how you, what you would tell women in general that to start with that might be different for them in the investment world. What, what's different for women than men right at the start of thinking about investing? So my experience has been that women are very conservative with their investments. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that I have 
seen is that women tend to keep their money in savings accounts, mm. earning very low interest. It's been my number one thing that I have seen over and over and over. And I think, you know, I ask, you know, why don't you want to put in the money? And they say, oh, I'm terribly afraid. I don't want to lose any money. And yes. that is one of the biggest problems that I have seen in different accounts. And w while men are different, men will be like, put all my money in the most aggressive portfolio possible. And Total I want to make takers. the most money that you can make me. Yeah. So one of the, uh, some of the seminars that I have done in the past have actually focused on that trait mm -hmm. is very, being very conservative. So I want to, I try to explain to them, you know, if we move the money into a, an investment that makes you a little bit more, you know, would you be more comfortable? But mm -hmm. obviously always talking about there's always risk in all the investments that we put you in. But, and one of the biggest things that I've done is actually educate. Yes. And which is where the clarity comes in. I want them to take the money out of this 0% interest bank account. And where they're put it, losing money every day money from every inflation. Day because sure. I tell them, you know, $100,000 it's not going to be very. It's, it's not going to be very much in ten years. It's yes. still going to be close to that hundred thousand dollar mark. That's right. So yeah. if you move it into a an account that you know you can put bonds or higher investments with a little higher bit yields. more risk, but you yeah. can you can actually make a little more money. I never want to take an investment portfolio and put in the highest risk because you don't want people to be uncomfortable. You don't want right. them to come in the next day and say, "I lost," you know. Yeah. $10,000, like, how can, how dare you, you know? So I really try to educate and, and explain, you know, if we put it here, this is, this is what's going to happen. And I really like the word steadfast because I really like building portfolios that people understand and that are sturdy, mm -hmm. something that's the cornerstone of your life. Mm -hmm. And so when we go into building these portfolios, you know, I say, you know, what happens, um, the, what happened the following day after COVID? What did you do? And a lot of them say, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, really? And I say, don't worry, because I'll tell you. You got yes. up and you got breakfast. Yeah. And then you got up and you used your phone. You went to your car, went to the, you know, did something. So you used all of these essential things. You know, Kellogg's was there. Kimberly Clark was there. Mm -hmm. General Mills was there. Verizon was there. You mm -hmm. were able to get water. So build you put your fuel in your car or whatever, right? Exactly. Car. Build your portfolio right. with these staples yeah. and that you know are going to be there after tra after these big things. Catastrophes. Even yeah. if the market goes down, it's going to come back up because tomorrow you're going to have to go buy bread. So trying to build these portfolios is is kind of how I get them off. You know, I don't I never want to <laughs> put too much risk, but always say, you know, what you have to make a little bit more than this um than, than the zero percent that you're getting at the bank, yeah. or well, now it's five percent at the banks. I want to ask you about something that is one of my pet peeves, um, and it's that when I see couples and I'm asking about their assets and we're starting to plan these things, very often the woman will not have very much saved for retirement, if anything. And the plan will be, we're going to retire when my husband reaches a certain point, when mm -hmm. my husband's portfolio reaches a certain point. It's always a they see the wealth in the family, even though it's in his name as their combined wealth. And so they are not necessarily funneling enough into their own in case something should happen to the marriage or whatever. They're often content to just be the beneficiary on that, to think, okay, well, when he retires, you know. So the effort is put forth into him funneling all the money into the 401k and getting as much built as he can, and very little on her, not just investing, but on, on how her finances look individually within the relationship. And that always worries me. But tell me your slant on that. I do think women have to have their own pot of money. Mm -hmm. You do need to have your own account. You need to have 
enough money to be able to at least six months worth of expenses. Mm -hmm. Not that you're going to get divorced or that your husband's going to die suddenly, but you really need to be able to feel independent. It's really important because it feels good. And it might be some of your husband's money. Yes, it, it could be because if you're not working, that's where the money comes from. But having, you know, have a conversation with the husband, with your husband and or your spouse or your partner and say, you know, I really want to feel um, empowered. Mm -hmm. Even if this, you know, $20,000 is just under my name, earning whatever amount of interest, or you can buy a bond with, you know, right. whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. But definitely have some money of your own and talk to your husband about this because it's a conversation that should you should have with your spouse and they will understand that there is a need for you to have that, um, some stability for yourself. And it's a mental relief. Yeah, we, we hope so. Um, yes. Sometimes I will, I will say to people, have this kind of conversation with your partner and tell them, you know, that, that you need this. The underlying problem is that money is power. And even though you may not use that or think you're using it in your relationship, it's always there. And so if one person in the example you gave is not working and they don't have their own money, Every time they need something or want something, they have to go to the other person and basically ask permission. I need some money. Mm -hmm. Or they dip into the account automatically because they have a debit card, and then there's a fight later on. Where did the money go? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, you are equal individuals in a relationship like that. You should be on equal footing. And you probably both have the same sort of goals. We're going to get to this end point at a certain time, and we both need to be on the same page to do that. So... What I end up telling them is let's pay attention to your debt load, as you as you know. Mm -hmm. Let's pay attention to your budget. Let's pay attention to your investments. And that's where I might bring someone in like you and say, you know, you're on the same page. You're you're parenting together. You've bought a house together. You're, you know, you each have similar cars you're driving. Get on the same page and stop looking at gender. St you know, just plan this equally. Where is where is spouse one? Where is spouse two? Instead of where is the wife, where is the husband? Or in partner cases, I tend to see partners, people who call themselves partners, uh, leveler across the playing field. So anyway, I do want to ask you, we have about a minute left, and I want to ask you what parting words of wisdom you would have for women. If you, if you can, I'll give you the last word for a minute. Knowledge is power. Hmm. That's really my, my words. Uh, really try to understand what you're doing. Look for help. The more you know, the stronger you are. And having, having your own pot of money is really important uh, just for your own sense of, you know, security and sure. um, strength. Well, thank you very, very much, uh, Sonida Bautista from Clarity Wealth Management. Uh, locally here, it, well, are you? Well, we have, our main office is in Greenfield, but I have an office in the Montague Book Mill. Yes. So if somebody wants to come and have lunch with me, they're always welcome to come by. What a lovely place to have lunch. I love that. I also do want to get an update on the book. I know you were doing a little revamp. Oh, the book has been re-released. Um, Retire Debt and Retire Well has been re-released uh, with new information. It's live on Amazon in paperback form now and in hardcover within a few days, I think. And uh, happy to get copies to people. They can order them on Amazon, paperback, hardcover, or Kindle. You can download it digitally. Um, or you can contact us, of course, for copies. And also, if you want to send in a question to info at hugyourmoney.com or to jtyler at whmp.com, and we happen to use your question on the air. You get a free copy. You get a free copy. <laughs> I love it. All right. How can people reach out to you? Thanks. They can reach us at 413-773-3333. 
or on the web at info at hugyourmoney.com. Thank you so much for coming in today. We appreciate it. All right, we'll be back next week right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get The Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off, it should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, the Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. Hi, I'm Carrie. In the fall of 2020, I got diagnosed with a large spinal cord tumor. I am on full-time disability. A little over a year of not having any pay on my part literally destroyed us financially. Sometimes feels like you're on a boat that has no rudder out in the ocean. Who do you look to to regain that control? I'm getting emotional again about it. We're much better off than we were even a year ago. I'm Mike, I work in law enforcement. Uh, What makes me the happiest is that there's someone there to help. Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented. Financial Literacy and the Human Condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. How are you? I'm good, and it is another guest this week, which is always a great show. I love to have guests, and especially when somebody has something valuable to say. So I'd like to introduce our guest, Lisa Kent, who's an attorney. Very interesting uh, twist on being an attorney in her particular field. So she's from Esser Kent Family Law Practice in Amherst, Mass. And welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be here. Well, it's our our pleasure. So uh, a little disclosure here. I happened to get into a conversation with Lisa about a a mutual client, I think, and discovered that um, she practices divorce law, but in a very unique way. So can you talk a little bit about your mediation practice and, and how it's different? Sure. Divorce law has thankfully evolved a great deal from the last century, where we used to go to court and we used to have proved fault in divorce. Mm. Uh, And now I think it's safe to say that divorce mediation is the norm. I like to think it is. And for those serious cases where there's danger or uh, immediate threat to the family, uh, you you do still go to the court. Actually, it's still a court-based practice because to get a divorce is an unmarriage and marriage is a legal status. So what we are doing in a divorce is to give you a new legal status of unmarried. So I and many others in the Valley happily practice divorce differently. And I'm really excited to tell you about that today. We do it in in a number of ways. First of all, there's the mediation model. I am a mediator. I have been a mediator since 2005. Mediation is divorce done where 
each member of the couple, each spouse comes and they meet with a, a neutral. Mm-hmm. The important thing is mediation is the mediator is neutral and mediation is voluntary. And that's what makes it so great. Mediation is intended to identify issues, brainstorm ideas, and come up with agreements. That's one model. But it's not a one-size-fits-all model. Right. And so what I am involving toward is something uh, called collaborative law and collaborative practice. Yes. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. Yes, please. <laughs> because that, that was what interested me when we started this conversation was that that you um, sort of pull a team of people together. Because we, we all know that getting divorced, anybody who's ever been through it can tell you mediator or no mediator is a very difficult thing. And it involves the whole family. And it involves more than just jumping backwards over a broomstick, right, and dividing up some assets. Right. So it's a complicated process. And, and you have found, and many others, in fact, you just came back from a conference I'll ask you about in a little bit, but you have found a way to do this using a team. So please tell us more about that. Yes. Okay. Very excited about it. Collaborative practice really started maybe 30 years ago by a lawyer named Stu Webb out in, I think he's from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And Stu was going to court you know, he'd been practicing for many years, family law, and arguing in court, and then noticing he was going out to lunch with the same attorneys he was, you know, figuratively beating up, and then just chatting and having a lovely time. And he, he just said, you know, we have to do this a different way. Mm. We have to do, we can do, do divorce using a team. And it started out with two attorneys basically promising not to be lawyers or aggressive attorneys to to be more like counselors at law. Mm -hmm. And you would sign a participation agreement. And the participation agreement said, we are going to work as hard as we can to come up with a settlement. Because why not? Mm -hmm. 95% of all cases settle anyway. Why not start from the premise that you are going to settle eventually? And what that does is it cuts down a lot of the posturing, a lot of the the bravado that some some attorneys uh, Mm -hmm. engage in to impress. Uh, And it really says, look, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get down to work. Mm -hmm. And what he figured out, that that was a really good model. But there's a very important part piece of that. In the participation agreement, it says that should this not work out, we agree to fire our attorneys and start from scratch. Ooh, oh, what fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> high, high stakes. It is. It is. Yes. I, I call it, I even call it the poison pill. And at first, when I started doing this practice, I didn't like it at all. I said, wait a second. I am a litigator and I should be with my client through thick and thin. And if this doesn't work out, yeah. I need to extract them from the collateral process and, and and take them to court where we can have the judge be the decider, mm-hmm. right? But I found what happened is you are then bargaining in the shadow of the court, yes, in the very shadow of that which you want to not be in. Mm-hmm. And it people would go through it somewhat half-heartedly or knowing that they would have, they could still come out and use me. Mm-hmm. 
I recently had cases where I said, no, we're going with that uh, poison pill and the, the all-out agreement. And it produced a better result. Much to my chagrin, I was proven wrong. <laughs> and I realized that even when things got very, very tough, where the children were having difficulty in this particular case, two little boys, and uh, they were trying to, as children are, want to do, you know, reactive and saying things and, and really mm. playing, making the clients upset. What we were able to do was we were able to get ha have a, a therapist mm -hmm. work with the family, right? which you would not be able to do in court because right. the court is not able to supply that service. Well, there seems to be a real incentive uh, if you're already mired in in this in the weeds on divorce, and it's already difficult for everybody. Almost anybody I've ever talked to will say, "I just want it over." In fact, I worry about them making knee-jerk financial decisions because they just want it over. And so, I it seems to me that the threat of having to fire your attorneys and begin again is enough of an incentive to, as you said, roll up your sleeves and get some agreement on the table. Right. You don't want to start over again. Uh, I would think that that would be one thing. And the second thing is when we started talking about a team, when you say we involved a therapist, you know, lots of people out there might be saying, well, you know, I went through divorce and I had a therapist that came in and helped me. Yeah, this is part of your team. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what a, what a team for you in this collaborative law is made up of? Yes. Comprises the team. First of all, there are many iterations, but the classic form of collaborative law is actually to push the attorneys off to the side and start with somebody called a family coach, who is usually somebody with a clinical background in mm -hmm. social work. Often the they are a couples therapist, and they will actually run the team. Mm -hmm. They and they they are neutral. Yeah. Okay. Then you have the two attorneys, and the addition of the two attorneys. This is why I think it's it's an it's a huge advantage over mediation is that. Their loyalties are to their clients first and the process second. Mm -hmm. So they will then advocate for them, but in this forum, in, in the team process. But, and now this is where you come in, Francis, is there can be, in certain cases, a financial neutral. Mm -hmm. And what they are doing, which I learned more about this weekend when I went to the, in, to the conference, is that they are preparing budgets for the family. They do a budget, a current budget, and then they do prospective budgets for each individual prospective household going forward. Sure. And from that needs-based paradigm or, or lens, they then figure out things like child support and spousal support. Right. Now, if you were in strictly in a court-based setting, yep. you could advocate for yourself and, and want a, on a needs basis. The court can't really do that for everybody. The court can't give you such a particularized treatment. The court has formulas. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You we make X, you pay X. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Plug in the numbers. That's it. Alimony. Oh, it's the alimony law is crazy because mm. it, the new one we got passed, well, it's not so new, in 2012 was... Oh, it's between, you know, 33 and 30, 35%. I, I think those are the percentages, don't quote me on it, of, of the difference between the parties' incomes. Mm. And 
it, it drives it drives attorneys crazy. Yeah, and it's it, not it, so it's, great for the person paying the alimony either. I, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The the difficulty here is that, and uh, and I tell clients this all the time, you most people have a two income household, and when you divorce, you not only no longer have your two income household, you now have two households on the same income. And it, it always seems to end up with somebody saying, well, I can't afford to live on my own, so you're going to have to pay more of my bills. Mm-hmm. But that person n- can't necessarily afford it either because you've just, it's like buying a, a vacation home and then stocking it with a whole family that needs more supplies, right? right. The expense of running two households and juggling children between them and, and all of that is so vast and I think so many people don't really recognize that. They think in terms of, well, we'll sell this house and we'll split the the profit from it, the equity, and we'll each get another house. And they're thinking in terms of what, well, I pay this much in a mortgage, I can pay that much in a mortgage then. It just isn't going to work that way unless you have a lot of money, which um, which does lead me to ask you a question. One one big question, and I'd like to talk to you about this um this conference that you went to, but one big question is, it sounds pretty expensive to have two attorneys, a therapist, and a financial neutral involved, plus a family coach. Who are your typical clients? Who can afford this? I have to say that most of my clients cannot afford this, and that's why we are flexible in the collaborative field. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, I will work with just two attorneys, both of whom have mediation training and collaborative law training. Yes. And what we do is we literally take on the mindset that we are going to collaborate to get this done. We're going to share information. We're going to uh, basically get our clients on the same Zoom. We do a lot, a lot of our work by Zoom. Mm. And we are going to get into this problem-solving mode together. And then... If we need a financial neutral, we'll call that person in and work asynchronously with the financial neutral. Great. All right. We will have much more. We're going to be right back with part two of financial fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. It's coming up next on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, and I love when we have a guest in. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. Who wants to hear me talk all the time, right? (laughs) Even in my regular show, Jess jumps in and asks these great questions, and it always brings us in another direction. And speaking of another direction, just before the break, you mentioned that you do a lot of things on Zoom. And we too, right? All of our meetings are virtual now. But But it did occur to me that that might be a very favorable thing in a divorce where you don't have to be in the same room. You don't have to have gotten into your car, gone to court. There's a lot of anxiety. You can dial into the meeting by Zoom. You're in your own space and and the people are in 2D. 
So do you find that it's changed your practice or changed the outcome of, do people agree more easily because they're on Zoom? A great deal. Yes, it has changed things. Um, for the better, there are there are certain things that are better and certain things I miss about being in person. I'll mm -hmm. give you examples of each. Um, sometimes um, it has helped, and this hasn't happened to me, it's happen happened to one of my good colleagues, where things get really emotionally tough. He will ask one party to mute themselves and turn off their video. And that Without that visual distraction, mm. the spouse who feels uh, kind of uh, uh, is having a tough time can speak and just focus one-on-one -on -one with the mediator. Mm -hmm. It is as though the other spouse has stepped out of the room, right. but that other spouse is there to still listen to what they're saying. Sure. And then the mediator will, will then say, turn them back on mm -hmm. and say, Okay, did you have a chance to listen to the, what did, what did you think of that? Do you think there's something we could work with there? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's helped a great deal. But I have to tell you, uh, the opposite is also true because I went recently to a three-way, uh, a mediation, we, we call it attorney-assisted mediation, mm -hmm. and then the mediator was sitting there, and the attorney who I know very well was uh, sitting opposite me, and I could Finally, seeing her from the neck down, I could see what paper she had in front of her, and I knew what topic she was going to move to next, uh -huh. <laughs> just by which paper she was taking out of her yes. folder. And I was thinking, aha, we don't get this on Zoom. This is, this is pretty nice. Well, anybody who's ever worked with body language will tell you, I have a number of therapists as clients, and, and they, some of them are okay with it. They feel like it, it disarms the people a little bit more, and as you said, sometimes you can have breakthroughs because they are not in the room with you. But the more seasoned therapists that I've talked to often miss the body language. They they can't see what's going on down here as I'm talking with my hands or people are shifting in their chairs. They don't always see that or they don't see them wringing their hands, for instance, and feeling really nervous. And so you only get this little, you know, box from your shoulders up to, to, uh, to judge them by. It makes me think about how difficult it is in divorce for families with children, and I, I know you involve a therapist uh, when necessary for the children. So can you give me an idea of how that goes within collaborative law compared to how it might just go if you have a traditional divorce where you each get attorneys, they're arguing, the kids are caught in the middle, you're going to court, and a judge is making a decision? Yes. Well, I think it's my wiser clients will involve a, a child therapist from the get-go, or at least notify the school adjustment counselor mm -hmm. that this is what the family is going through right now. Could you just like talk to the teacher, have more eyes on the child? Yes, that's a this, good idea. That's a yeah, good idea. Yeah, uh, because school adjustment counselors are, are, are just fabulous in my experience, and they know a lot, and you, but the child is there most of the, most of the day. And then using that information... Getting a therapist for a child would be very good. It's so difficult now. They all have waiting lists. Um, yeah. So I tell my families to try to get on the waiting list as soon as possible. The other nice thing is that there are some therapists in the Valley who have worked with families in divorce and are cross-trained to also work with children. Mm -hmm. So it may not be that your child has to be in therapy, you know, twice a month for the next sure. year. Right. It could be a, an as-needed basis. So, yes, that's the beauty of collaborative law, that you yeah. can 
patch in a professional like that? Well, I don't think it would matter how well-adjusted your kids are. Um, They're used to one life with two parents. And when you start to change that, you're going to have some hiccups. Um, Speaking of changing things, and I do want to get to this conference you went to, but I cannot let the show go by (laughs) without talking about the court budget. When we have clients who say they're getting divorced, they're filling out that budget form. Oh, yes. Oh, I hate that budget form. (laughs) Oh, don't get me started. It's so antiquated and it's so inadequate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, how much, first of all, it's on a weekly basis. Yes. Who thinks about their finances on a weekly no basis? Yes. Right? Yes. Secondly, it's all these sort of big block numbers. How much do you spend in groceries? It's all estimates. Yes. So, so what happens, what I see happen a lot is that uh, when somebody comes to me, they've got their budget filled out and they're saying, I'm going through a divorce. Would you take a look at this? Mm-hmm. And I look at it and I say, where are the holiday expenses? Where's your excise tax? Where are the surprise things? What about your co-pays, your prescriptions? Where, where is this stuff on here? Oh, well, it's, it's kept very simple. And so then what happens is they, that somebody makes a decision about an equitable arrangement, right? There's a comment about a good divorce is where no party is quite happy, right? No, both, you, you both end parties up with are two, two households that are equally less well off. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, you know, what happens is decisions, lifetime decisions are made on these numbers that are put on this really shabby, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get phone calls about this one, I'm sure. <laughs> but there's really inadequate budget. And so what we do is probably what you're doing as well is to make a budget by tracking the real life expenses and then bringing that to the table. And so that each party can really see, you know, it isn't that I don't want to pay you alimony or it isn't that you need this money or don't need this money just because we're mad at each other, right? Mm-hmm. We're angry with each mm-hmm. other. It's really because this is the, these are the numbers. Well, so. you know, I've taken that form and I'm working with a, a, an attorney in Worcester who uh, basically put together a much he put in additions to that form, so it's basically a spreadsheet again, but yeah. then he lists all the types of, of things that a modern household uses. Yes. Your, your, Internet. your Disney Plus right. subscription, <laughs> you know, gifts when the yes. kids go out to parties and they have to buy gifts, That's and right. it's so thoughtful and it's so wonderful. I mean, I, I, use, I use that all the time. The other thing that he's come up with is a monthly budget. Mm-hmm where you, you can do that. I mean, sure. it's not as good as yours, but... Oh, come on now. <laughs> but it, Budgets but, are pretty simple when you do them right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, it, this helped a great deal recently because we're in a divorce and what was going to make the divorce work was to get new housing for the wife and she was house shopping mm-hmm. and we had the budget down and she had listed something like $250 a week for food. Yeah. And she says, how am I going to do it? And, you know, the other collaborative attorney says, well, you're going to have to spend less on food. Oh. And luckily she could figure it out. She said, "Yes, yeah, I think I can. I think I can do it. It's an argument I have a lot about food with people, about groceries. We shop at Whole Foods, we shop at wherever, and, you know, it's more expensive and we want these things. It's about choices. You know, you're spending, I had somebody the other day spending $2,400 a month, I think, on food. And I said, this is exorbitant. I know you want to feed your family, but really you can do this on less. And, uh, and it's just about choices. You know, do you want to, sp- is it more important to you to spend that on food and cut back somewhere else? Or can you change that around mm-hmm. and be able to have, you know, a lower right. food budget? It- so you went to this conference. I, I had, we had booked this show just before the conference. So can you tell us about this uh, conference that you went to Toronto? Right. So I remember I was talking about Stu Webb. 
uh, Stu Webb started an association called the International Association of Collaborative Professionals, IACP. And since uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's become a huge worldwide movement, mm. in, and not surprisingly, because it makes so much sense. Sure. And it has also grown not just from divorce, but to uh, business lawyers, lawyers who would otherwise advise people on, on closely held family businesses, most commonly, which are like family, mm -hmm. often involve family members and sure. are like divorces when yes. you have to d dissolve them. Um, there were there usually there was about 350 of us mm -hmm. together in Toronto, and we, we had a blast because, as you could imagine, collaborative people are nice people. Yes. Uh, and we, we had a, a tremendous time basically cross-pollinating a great deal between uh, talking to therapists mm -hmm. uh, about how they work, and then the lawyers were, were, were learning from the therapists, and the therapists were learning things from the lawyers as well. And then the financial uh, people were learning kind of from both. <laughs> That's yes. kind of the, the triad that, that came out from yeah. this conference. I just want to pipe in for one second. Do, do you ever have, I know it's a collaborative process, so hopefully at that point you're kind of getting along well enough to do that. But does anybody come in and feel like the spouse is being favored? Uh, yes, yes. And we, that, that always happens. Okay. Um, and it's always like a, a shifting balance board uh, between that. And we, the beauty of collaborative law is you can, you can uh, address that. And okay. attorneys, that, that was actually a point of training mm -hmm. um, because you will come in and one attorney I talked to said, you preps his, his client by saying, you will hear me being really nice to your spouse. I know you're not feeling very nice, nicely toward your spouse and having students, but I'm going to be talking to her and asking her questions and being very friendly. Just be aware of that so you don't think it. I'm not favoring you, mm -hmm. okay? Very good question. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that being a problem. Jess always asks the greatest <laughs> questions. She really does. Yeah. Um, can I ask what I'm going to go way back now and just say, when did you know you wanted to be an attorney? Oh, my goodness. I think I, I was going to say when I, uh, maybe nine or ten years old. Wow. Uh, really? <laughs> you were winning arguments with your parents and uh, deciding you were really good at uh, persuasion? Yes, I wanted to be an attorney or, or a, a psychologist, ah. And yeah. I, I think. And, and then after graduating with a liberal arts degree, um, you know, and, and doing some teaching internationally in Japan. Yeah. And then uh, coming back, I realized I, I wanted I wanted to be able to have power and use it wisely yeah. in a very, very broad way. And I've done a lot of different types of law. I was a commercial litigator for a long time. I worked for the New Jersey State Legislature and drafted bills. I did many type of, uh, types of, of work, but this speaks to my heart. Oh, I'm so glad. And I want to thank you for being a guest, but uh, just one last thing I would ask. What advice would you give to somebody if they are considering, you know, divorce is right on the edge, they're considering getting divorced, uh, and they don't know where to go for help? Well, I think early intervention is your best tool, uh, is your best work. We are rebuilding the Massachusetts Collaborative Law Council, which is our local group, is rebuilding their website, and I, we hope to put up some informational videos. I am working on some informational videos on my own website, 
www.esserkent.com. But I, I will give a, a short a consultation uh, to you, and we can assess what kind of process is right. I can't tell you for sure where you'll end up, but you have to know what to use, what process would suit your family best. Is it a free consultation? A free initial brief consultation. And then if we want to get more in depth and you want to have more substance, which you will need, I do do paid consultations. Yes, of course. So I really want to thank you, Lisa, for coming in and talking about this collaborative law practice. And I I hope that it it might help someone who is going through a divorce to get through it more smoothly. Um, And so thank you, Lisa Kent from Esser Kent Family Law in Amherst. And I understand you might be changing the name. Yes. to be to be continued. Okay. Yes. Great. Thank you very much. We will have you come back definitely for another part. This was just so interesting. I'm sure people are going to have questions, so let's get your phone number. Uh, they can reach us at 413-773-3333 or at info at hugyourmoney.com. And as always, if you want to send in a question and we use it on the air, you can get a copy of the book, which you are revamping. Actually, that's oh. big news. I didn't even get a chance to tell you about it. Right. It has been re-released and the uh, title now, and it has lots of updated information and expanded information about retirement, etc. The title now is Retire Debt and Retire Well. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you both. We'll be back again next Saturday with another edition of Financial Fitness right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. Have you heard about Get The Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. He wasn't on a salary. He was on a mileage pay. That varied every week and sometimes significantly. And so budgeting was like, I can't deal with it. But now I was starting to enter things into the budget on the plan. Okay, he's going to stop driving in May. That means this, this, and this will change. I'm very excited because I can see on the computer that we're not going to be struggling for money. I thought I was going to have to probably get a full-time job for a while. I can see now I'm not going to have to. I'm Jill. And Bill. It's all about hug your money and hug your budget for us. (laughs) Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented.